John chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Had a great time on the camp out with everyone, and part of the camp out, we were sitting there around the campfire just talking. And one of the young guys brought up some things that goes on at school, and about things that people talk about and say at school. And so one of the older men goes, like, what do they say? And he goes, well, I, I can't really say it. I mean, it's, it's something that church people wouldn't like hearing. And we go on and all that. I said, son, let me, t- let me tell you something. You can train a monkey to go to church. Just being a church-going person doesn't mean anything. So, uh, you know, let's talk about other, other, other things. But using that term, church-going person, you know, it does not really describe accurately uh, what sometimes people think it does. You know, they want it to mean a church-going person is someone that is really believing in God and really following God. But if you notice this incident here, we have two church-going people, so to speak. We have Mary of Bethany. Man, she was right there with Jesus, right? But we also have Judas, who traveled with Jesus. So as far as church-going folk, there are two church-going folk. Now, the thing is, we kind of know that that isn't how you want to describe things as being a church-going person. We understand that in our society, though, people will make that statement. But, you know, sometimes we find ourselves almost thinking the exact same way. And we end up being a church-going person, but when it comes to sincerity of belief, When it comes to authenticity, all of a sudden, that's lacking. Now, you know, in in our society today, there is a lot of talk of authenticity. People want authentic relationships. They want authentic experiences. And they use this word, authentic, as a new catchword. And everyone likes it. Because what are they talking about? They're talking about the real thing. And so we're always in search of that which is authentic. So today, I just want to share a couple of thoughts. If we want an authentic relationship with God, we need to make sure we never settle for being church-going people. 
There was a difference here. We all know the end of the story. But how would you have liked it to have been one of the disciples, not Judas, but watching this whole situation? Because at this point, you don't know that he's stealing from the treasury. You don't know it. And in fact, in just a little while longer, a few days, Jesus is going to circle up in the upper room with his disciples and say, okay, I'm going to be uh, uh, betrayed here, and one of you will betray me. And they all looked at each other and goes, who, who is it going to be? Now, you know, us, 2,000 years later, we're going, it's Judas! It's Judas! He's sitting right next to you! Do something! But we have historical revelation. We live in the, you know, in the future, so we can see it. Those guys didn't know who it was. Now stop and think about it. They're sitting there. They had no idea it was Judas. You know why? He was a good church-going person. He was classified like that. In fact, when this whole incident happened, they don't know who's the spiritual one, who's the authentic person. Because notice what Judas is saying. He brings up a good point. Think about your, the salary you make for a year. How much is that? Now you think about that. Now think about taking that amount as a gift and just wanting to give it to Jesus. In fact, not only give it, you're going to kind of waste it, quote unquote. You're going to buy this perfume. It's, gonna, it's not like, okay, now let's scrape it off the ground. We can save this, sell it again. No, you totally, it's like, wow, why don't you give him a boat or something, you know? Picture yourself doing that. Judas brings up a great point, especially on the International Day of Giving, doesn't he? Wow, we, you know, that money could have been used to help the poor. Notice Jesus' response. His response is not, yeah, you're right, I'm sorry. And his response is not callous. Sometimes people go, wow, that's kind of a different response. He says, a poor you'll always have with me, but with you, but I'm not always going to be here. You think, is he saying to not care about the poor? No, on the contrary. You cannot read about the gospel of Christ without seeing him reaching out to the poor and helping the poor. What he is saying is as long as this is an unredeemed, broken world, before he comes back again, there's always going to be people that are poor. What you try and do is move those people out of that class and injustice and other things will put other people in that class. So you keep trying to get them out, but it's part of the state of fallen world, okay? So we're going to help as many people as we can to get them out of that state, but the minute we do that, sin's going to cause other people to go into that state. So what we do, we go back and help them to get out. There will be no poverty, no sickness, no disease. Until then, this is what we're ministering for. So, Jesus is saying, look, the poor you're always going to have. If I was Peter or James or John, I'd be sitting there going, you know, that's, that's a good point. I mean, Jesus, we've been following you all over Galilee. You heal the sick. You help people. Judas, I mean, Jesus, Judas has a good point. Somebody do something with this woman. This is too extravagant. This is too emotional. This is too weird. Let's be practical. We can do something here. You see, what happened is you have two people that some people would look at initially and say, church-going folk. 
but there's a big difference, isn't there? We understand that because we know the end of the story. There's a huge difference. But here's my challenge to us. How do we keep from being church-going folk? How do we keep from being Judas? Now, does that mean we want to go out and betray Christ? No, I'm just talking about Judas made some decisions or failed to make some decisions that would have changed his life. Mary and Judas, it wasn't like one had more opportunity than the other. What happened here? What was the difference? The difference is heart. That's the difference. The difference is what is going on in the heart. Two things I want us to think about here. The difference between Mary and Judas. Number one, Mary had the right focus. Mary had the right focus. What is she doing? She is worshiping Christ. She is lavishing this gift on Jesus. She understands that he is the reason for everything else. Everything she does, everything she lives for, it comes back to him. It's not a question of being a better person. It's a question of worshiping God. Being a better person is something that comes as a result. In John, the sixth chapter, the disciples had to learn this lesson. Mary understood this lesson. John 6, the disciples are have been uh, serving the masses. They have fed the 5,000. They've gone on, and, and Jesus has gone on, and the crowds find him and say, where are you? And Jesus says, you know, you're really looking just for another free lunch here. You need to be thinking about the spiritual. You need to be yearning for that which will last forever. And Jesus begins to talk about the commitment that, that is involved in following him. That, man, he has got to be your food. He has got to be the object of your affection, your attention, your energy, all of that. It's all about him. We are Christians, not church-going folk. And he is talking about it. And so, at the end of John 6, says in verse 60, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know you are the Holy One of God. Mary knew that. Mary's Life was about Jesus' focus, was about worshiping him. Jesus said, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet some don't believe. Judas was in that crowd. He didn't believe. No one knew he didn't believe it. But see, Mary believed it all. She believed, just like Simon Peter here, that Jesus is the Holy One of God. That Jesus has the words of eternal life. 
The life that you, you and I share right now, the physical life, was given to us by God. But that is not the same as eternal life. And eternal life is not just talking about longevity. It is a quality of life. It starts now and goes on into eternity. It begins in part, but it becomes complete when he comes back again. We share in, in the love, the joy, the peace, the patience in degrees now. But one day when we see him, we will be perfect in all of those qualities. That's eternal life. Mary understood that. Judas had another agenda. Hey, this is an advantageous situation. I can be around the, the uh, treasury and I get to steal some of the money. Now, no one here is a thief doing that. But let me ask you, is there something else that drives you? Is there something else that motivates you besides your devotion to Christ? You should not be devoted to Jesus if you don't know Jesus. You shouldn't do that. You know, well, Sheridan says I need to be devoted to Jesus. Well, why? It's ridiculous. Don't do that. I've even had some talks with people recently. Look, you know, if you don't believe this, then go do something you do believe. I don't want you to do something you don't believe. I don't want you to do that. I know one thing about Judas. He wasn't happy. Nobody's happy pretending people all, everyone wants authenticity. People with other motives, they, you know, they end up not happy. I want a person to go and do what they believe. God wants people to really believe, to live for him, to worship him because of who he is and who they are. Mary had that right focus. Mary was where she needed to be. The second thing that she did, though, is Mary knew you've got to concentrate on the root in order to get the right fruit. Judas appeared good, but those appearances eventually gave out. In Mark chapter 7, Mark 7, Jesus is in a conflict here with the Pharisees over the fact that his disciples did not wash before they ate and all these other traditions. And he quotes Isaiah to them, and notice what he says in verse 6. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might have otherwise received to me is korban, that is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition and that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowds to him and said, 
Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he said. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Mary understood, you got to deal with the root. You've got to deal with the heart. If you want to have the right fruit, Judas looked good. He was a good church-going folk. But what was underneath? The theft. That's where his heart was. You know, anytime we read a passage like this, it should not cause guilt. It ought to cause reflection. Now, it should cause guilt of, hey, I just want to live this way and I don't care about God. Okay, you bring that on yourself. But it ought to cause us to look and say, you know what? Is the root okay where I am? What have I been thinking about? When I look at people, what do I think about people? Where does my mind go? Is that good? Is that a good root? What do I do? You know, how about when I'm my conversations? Are they honest? Are they good? I appreciate so much what Carl was sharing about kindness. There. How kind am I? You know... We can act kind to get something, or we can be kind to make a difference. And that's what he was talking about. The cross will make us kind. Why? It starts with the root. I used to want to run from lists like this. Mark 7, Galatians 5, Revelation 21, 1 Corinthians 6. Yeah, I know where they all are. (laughs) You know, I mean... I mean, I've, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time, and all of them, I've lived pretty much all of them. A couple of things I hadn't done, because I probably just didn't have the opportunity. But bottom line, I don't look at it now like, oh my gosh, here we go, Galatians 5, 19, Mark 7. No, I look at it, this is the pathway to freedom. This is authenticity. You cannot be a disciple of Christ and hold on to this stuff. We're all tempted. We all can fall down, but you get up, you repent, you get help, you come into the light. That's normal. That's a normal Christian life. Oh, man, I messed up. Hey, welcome to the human race. What are you going to do about it now? What are you going to do about it now? Are you going to be a good church-going folk like Judas? Or are you going to be like Mary? Mary, ah, let me deal with the heart. Man, just, she was open. Why? I love it. You know, you know what's so cool? I wish we don't get this because we live in this day and age. This must have just rubbed so many people wrong, especially the first time back then when they read the Gospels because so often the heroes were like Samaritan. There goes the racist thing. You, the women... There goes the gender. Look how many women Jesus always pointed to. This is what I'm talking about. I mean, it's like dragging fingernails across a chalkboard back in those days. How dare. I mean, if this is going to be something, 
It's going to be a man thing, and it's going to be a certain race thing. All right? And all of a sudden, here's Jesus. Oh, the hero is this Samaritan. It's like, you know? Look at this woman. Look how she, that's how, that's what I'm talking about. A woman? Yeah, boy, a woman. That's it. Right. Absolutely. You got it. Why? Because he didn't care the race, the gender, all that. Everyone's created in the image of God. What he cared about is the heart. And we all need to imitate that heart. John 12 has been one of my best studies of myself. Because unfortunately I find myself being like Judas in a certain way as I always want to be real practical. And there's nothing wrong with being practical. Don't get me wrong. But when practicality becomes a way that I obscure the heart, then all of a sudden I'm in trouble. And I see here Mary saying, Sheridan, concentrate on the root. Concentrate on what's in your heart. Don't pursue thoughts in your heart. Don't pursue enmity in your heart, anger, resentment, lust. Don't sit there and look like a good church-going person. Be an authentic Christian. That's not a perfect person. That is somebody that's open and walking in the light. Somebody that people look at and go, yeah, they're not perfect, but I'll tell you what, they don't try and hide stuff. They are authentic. That's what people will notice. That's the real deal. It's amazing. One brother said, uh, one way he gets into a conversation with people, people ask him, how are you doing? He'll say, he'll say, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. <laughs> and, you know, it kind of catches people back, you know, like, well, they're not ready for that. And sometimes, like, uh, uh, well, I think physical. And then you can kind of kid with people. You didn't want to ask the spiritual thing, did you? You didn't want to find out. But, but you know, I mean, uh, seriously, I'm, I'm going to go on here. But... Uh, that made me lose the point I was going to make about that. Sorry. Um, but I do feel like, you know, to be authentic there, that's the thing. People will know. That's what I'm going to say. People will know that. They know the genuine deal. And you don't have to pretend. You don't have to be a church-going person, be labeled as that. You just be someone that really addresses your heart. You're focused on Christ. You're addressing your heart. You're being open, getting help, and people will see. That is the real deal. That's the difference between Mary and Judas. One other thing. I said two things, but I want to add one other thing. Look in John chapter 12. Lastly, here's the big difference. We see the difference in focus. We see the difference in dealing with the uh, uh, root rather than just trying to imitate the fruit. But we also see the difference in where you go and where Mary went. Later on in John 12, it's interesting. This is all kind of happening real quick. And I don't know if Jesus was thinking about Mary and what had just happened previously to when he started to talk about this, but she was right in sync. You see, the thing that, that encouraged Jesus and made him so exhilarated is Mary understood it. She got him. You know, she's taking that which is the most dear and expensive to her 
and pouring it out as an appreciation of love and, and, you know, praise for Jesus. And Jesus is getting ready to pour himself out because God so loved the the world that he gave his only son. You see, Jesus and Mary got each other. (laughs) Mary got it. Got it. It's about love. It's about pouring out. It's about giving. Jesus himself would say it is more blessed to give than to receive. Mary got it. And that's what the other guys couldn't. Judas couldn't. They didn't understand. Like, what's going on? Why are you just saying this woman's doing great? Because she understands sacrifice. She has the same spirit that I have, that I'm about to display to the world. In John 12, Jesus says this. Verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Where I am, my servant will also be. Where Jesus was, that's where Mary was. She was going to the, he was going to the cross, she's pouring out, and she followed him to the cross there. Where I am, that's where my servant will be. Judas couldn't say that. Now, Judas was a good church-going folk, but he couldn't say that. You know why? He wasn't authentic. He wasn't really a disciple. But he was a good church-going folk. Mary, wherever you are, Jesus, that's where I'm going to be. I want you to think about that as you read the Gospels. Whatever Jesus taught about forgiveness, that's where I'm going to be. Whatever he taught about love for his church and the people in his church, as well as those outside the church. But there are two teachings on that, but we've got to love them all. But we're supposed to love each other in a way that the world knows, wow, that's not just a church-going folk. That's an authentic disciple of Jesus. Where Jesus is, that's where I want to be. When it comes to his purpose, how did he view life? How did he view uh, values? How did he view priorities? You name it. The way we approach it is wherever you are, that's where I want to be. Judas could not do that. Uh, I guess he could. He just would not do that. Judas settled for being a good church-going folk. Mary was authentic. Mary was a real deal. I hope you'll think about this just in the upcoming week. And here's the challenge I want to leave us all. The heart we have is a result of the choice we make. If we can somehow keep focusing Jesus, today I want to live for you. And every day we get up, I don't want to just be a church. I want to authentically follow you and whatever that means and let him speak to you as open as word. Well, I don't know if I'll know everything. You don't need to. What do you know today? What did you get revealed to about today? Go and do likewise. Have that focus. Want that in the the root, which is your heart. And say, wherever you are, Lord, that's where I want to be. 
Make that decision, and guess what's going to happen? Your heart follows, and the authenticity follows. And when you're praying, you know that you're really praying to somebody and not going through an exercise. And when you're fellowshipping, you know that God's accomplishing something and not just, hey, how you doing? And when you're reading, you know that you're having an interaction and not just, hey, I'm memorizing some scriptures. It's the whole difference between authenticity and inauthenticity.